Hey, buddies. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 100. Yes, that's right. 100 episodes of the Franco Observer podcast. And I am still keeping it going. This is your host, Jason Rudy. If you know me by now, you've been listening to the show. I am from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking production company headed by yours truly. And uh, before this podcast started, back in October of, uh, what would that be, 2020, actually, yeah, October 2020, because uh, we're coming upon two years here this October, actually October 31st, say, so November. Um. It was cool. Uh, anyways, from Desperate Productions, as I was saying, uh, yeah, at the time, I uh, had not got back to making films yet, and now, as you've been listening to the podcast, you know I have made and released now Lady Hyde, um, which is my uh, Jess Franco-type film, along with a sequel to Love Blade, um, a past film I did. And also, I have uh, Emmanuel in Sin City that is in post-production and should be out definitely before the end of the year. I'm thinking November, maybe December, but November is my plan. So, there's that information there. Uh, but yeah, be on the lookout for that. And you know you can always find the information at the Franco Observer podcast page on Instagram or on Facebook. And uh, yeah, I'll give you updates on that. So, this is episode 100. Um, this is going to be a special podcast uh, episode, as I've already done film 100 earlier, which is Bloody Moon is film 100. But uh, we did that way back on episode 6 with uh, special guest reviewer Greta Carey. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a good episode way back when, so... Um, I'm going to go through and, uh, you know, talk about, uh, people that has been on the show. Uh, when I first started the show, um, I had a friend of mine named Eric and he was a guest reviewer and, uh, times went by and we're not really friends anymore. So, uh, which is a shame, but it's how life is sometimes. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, went on to do, uh, about 45 episodes as a guest reviewer. So, uh, yeah, he was a non-Franco, um, a non-Franco observer and, uh, definitely got into Franco by the time he was, uh, indoctrinated into the Franco universe. But like I tell people, I told a friend of mine the other day at the premiere, I said, you know, and that's like with this podcast, it's the same way. And to me, I use it with my filmmaking. It's like, if you're strong, you have your ship. And your ship is your podcast or your film, or for instance, it's—I'll say for me—it's my filmmaking. Or you know, and uh, you have your crew, and you know, some crew. And Franco was the same way. You have some crew that go with you from film to film to film to film, and then along the way, you know, they they decide to get off the ship and at, at the next harbor, and they go off and they start their family, or they get in relationships, or move away, or get different jobs, or. They don't want to be a pirate anymore on the on on the ship, or I don't know. You have a difference of opinion, or I don't know what <clears throat> whatever people go through that humans do, and uh, you know they go off and do their thing. Well, 
then you keep sailing away with your same crew. But in the meantime, you have to always be picking up new pirates and new people to help you on your voyage for your uh, crew is always strong if you keep going and, uh, you know, keep that the way it is. So, yeah, so as I go on now to film, uh, what is this, 15 now I've completed, um, going on to 16 soon. Uh, is the plan maybe before the end of the year might sneak well I've actually kind of already started filming on film 16 it's something like Frank would anyway but that would be telling um but yeah you know so it's like you go back and, and you see who was around for what and uh, how how it went and so yeah like I had my last premiere and it was cool to see certain people and long story short that's what I had talked to uh, a person that I spoke to a friend of mine at the premiere and gave that philosophy that you have to always just keep keep your ship moving, go port to port, and know that's how it is, and just keep 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 on sailing, you know. And uh, hopefully, you uh, get new crew, young blood, new people into your crew, your your uh, army, your commando squad, whatever you want to call it, um, your crew, and uh, you know you go about and do your deal. So. But yeah, so anyway, Eric dropped out after 45, but in the meantime, uh, Kali came on board, and uh, she's now done, uh, got 15, 17, probably about 20 episodes now, somewhere around there, so she's definitely uh, been a, f- a fresh voice and somebody really cool that uh, has joined the podcast along the way, and uh, she's a huge Franco fan very obsessive with them and uh, I'm obsessive as well with Franco but it's cool with her as a as a uh, reviewer uh, and as a friend I've gained through doing this Chess Franco podcast that's another thing I'll talk about today since we're not reviewing a film um, is that uh, you know uh, she has a different side of Franco and she watches Franco with a different eye and that's one thing about the Franco universe and through everything is Everybody watches Franco in a different way. For me, I watch things for the list, obviously, of to see if certain things reappear, certain patterns or certain signs, certain objects, whatever, themes. And uh, I break it down as a filmmaker, so I'll sit there and watch his structure and, and locations and how he did things and that. And you'll have somebody like Collie that will watch it from the sexual point of view or a lot of the visual things, and she'll go into the... Um, certain themes and certain ideas that maybe I don't see, which is awesome. Then you have uh, other people that watch it for the visuals or for the themes or for the uh, people or, or what's going on or the story or the nudity or whatever they watch it for. So it's always cool. But, yeah, so I'm um, going over past list here. We've had Eric that's done a few and, and Collie, of course. And uh, my brother Jared uh, came on and did one, and uh, had Bob Moritz, and now has done, I believe, three. Um, and Bob Heron did one, and Greta did three. We had Dan Farron on, did one. And uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, yeah, we Greta did three. Uh, Amber did two. Uh, Liz did one. And uh, I've done quite a few solo, and we've had Ragnar come on. Um, from Norway and uh, he did two or three I believe now so I gotta update my numbers but uh, yeah so that was so that was cool um, it's really cool um, as the Franco said Franco podcast that uh, this episode is gonna be I did some interviews with different people 
and asking them what they um, what Franco meant to them, what Franco means to them, and uh, to try to figure out what Franco means to everybody else and how they view them. Like I kind of said earlier, with the viewing wise, um, and for me, like I talked about that with how I view his films. And for my filmmaking-wise, he's really made an impact on me because when I started this podcast, I wasn't doing films, and or I'd taken a break from films, I should say, because I'd done quite a few before that. But I'd taken a break for about three or four years, and uh, doing the podcast weekly kept me in the or got me got me back into the um, to the um, um, discipline and the routine of doing a weekly editing job because I go through and I edit this podcast through a um, video editing software basically and just do the sound lines because there's no audio I mean there's no video or if I do do zoom I'll uh, take the video portion out but anyway um, so yeah so it got me in the habit of doing the editing and putting together something and, and finding music and and it and putting in bumpers in the beginning and certain theme songs and some things I've, I've kind of just got the really basics now where it's just uh, intros, um, reading the beginning of the film through the Stephen Thrower books, pulling all the information about the making of the film, and then doing a halftime bumper, and then doing the review portion with my guest and talking about everything. And usually, you know, you have a cut down to uh, about an hour and a half or hour, hour, boils down to but uh yeah you know so because basically i think the 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 meat of the thing is the most important everything else is just extras you know it's it's fun to do extra layers and layers and layers but when you're on a deadline and you just do one a week it's it's just fun just to have a a good sizable uh thing because we're all down to listen to things so we want to hear what people have to say but yeah so like i was saying so doing that podcast once a week got me in the habit of doing that and reading more and more about Franco and watching how he shot his films, how quick he did his films, how many films he did, uh, how many weeks and how many days he shot and going over. Oh, he started it here and and seeing why well, he did this in 12 days and he shot that in two weeks. He shot this in seven days and, and gave me the uh, idea and the motivation to try to pull that off myself. And uh, I was always the type of person throughout my career I've averaged about one film a year. And some years I've done two, like a feature and a short. But uh, this year I did two films, um, Lady Hyde and uh, Emmanuel, and uh, two two features. So um, so for that, I thought I could do more because I said, well, shit, Franco did, you know, eight, 12, I think 14 or something like that was his limit. So I said, well, let me see if I can do like four. So I had originally planned to do four, one after another, or three, well, yeah, four at first. I was going to do four just over the month. Just do a week and then take a weekend off and then do another week next film. Do each film like seven days, maybe a month and a half, something like that, or a month and a week. But uh, I couldn't get a lot of cast down and get, couldn't get a lot of the commitment, which is understandable. That's four films. So, But I had somebody sign on to do three, and then I decided to just wheel it down to the two. But, uh, yeah, so unfortunately I had to drop off uh, one or two films that, I thought were going to be shot. So, but you know, scripts are still there and, and, uh, I might rotate those into, uh, 2023 filming next year. So, um, because I have some other ideas, but anyway, that's a long story. Um, but yeah, so, uh, 
doing two and then that's a lot of hard work and, and uh it's really crazy and and you know I do all my editing and, and everything myself so I know Franco didn't have helpers and but he did a lot of himself as well and uh I share a lot of the same philosophy where time is so important like myself I'm getting ready to start a job here a new job coming up um in the next next few weeks and I find myself looking at the days left until I have to start working full time working two jobs and uh knowing that I can only create art in these certain days so I found myself putting together a project and writing and, and being very obsessive and uh, compulsive about it and the act of compulsion and everything is very important and uh, it's it's a theme that he frequents a lot um, especially like on Linda about the compulsion and about and Satomania and, and all that so it's, it's really interesting I like that act of the act of compulsion and, and, and the urges and the impulsions and compulsions. So it's a fascinating thing with the mind and how we go through these traits and, and trails and, and how it leads us to certain places, um, for better or for worse, depending on the compulsion or, uh, impulse. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know, back to that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Franco as a director, like I said, is the way he's shot and things he's done. It's, for me, that's why he's important to me is uh, because they always say you always get, by teaching, you learn yourself. And by doing something for some other person or some other thing, you get the reward. So like I was saying, for me, doing this every week, it made me, sparked me up again to create films and to be a little crazy again with filmmaking and, and stuff. So better or for worse, that's going to be my lot in life. So. I know I'm a filmmaker, and uh, I'll always be putting out films till the day I die. So, like I said, I'm on 15 down. I like to do at least 30, so maybe i got another 15 films in me. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, if I could do 30, that's good. Franco's done shit, 174, give or take, somewhere around there. So, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome if I could do 30. It's a drop in the hat, but, you know, it is what it is. So, <coughs> yeah, so... Let's see. Got about there done. Okay, good. So, yeah. So, um, that's what Franco's meant to me. Um, this has been a really interesting podcast um, since I've started it. I've really watched um, now up to 100 Franco films. And before I'd seen a few, I had, I've rewatched them, of course, since I've started the podcast. I've watched everything once or twice or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I definitely have such a huge more appreciation and... Um, and uh, love for Franco. I mean, I did when I started, but over the time, it's, it's definitely grown, and he is my favorite filmmaker. Um, and I, you know, have a certain list that's pretty pretty solid, but definitely he worked his way, like, into my most influential, like, top five. So, yeah, I'm interested is, like, my, my top five or top six people that influence me in my films the most would be, uh, of course, Jess Franco, uh, Doris Wishman, Russ Meyer, uh, Ed Wood and um, I don't know probably that would be like the top one. Oh, and John Waters you know definitely and maybe uh, uh, Kenneth Anger or something but yeah no that's that's about it but um, but yeah John uh, just Franco definitely is uh, a huge influence in just how he worked and reusing the locations and it's interesting that the more I learned about him and saw things in his films. I realized I had done themes or things he had done 
without having seen what he had done before. So it was almost like a mystical, magical thing that I was really happy about. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. And, and, uh, just Franco and his films or, uh, that way. So yeah, he's, he's a very important person, a very important director. And, um, you know, it's funny how it's somebody could be seen in so many different faces or visions. You know, you say just Franco to a lot of people. And most people don't know who he is and the people, who do know who he is, laugh at him or say, oh, that guy's a terrible director or, oh, his movies are sleazy. And even looking back on things from 20 years ago, I'll read things and it's very, you know, derivative of him and his work and puts him down and such. But other people to me, it's almost like a way of life. And there's so many things that he had his own universe before the Marvel universe. And he has these different characters and outfits and locations and, and things that connect all these different films and, different actors and characters and different actors playing different characters, but it's the same character from the end. Just so many connection things and the music for me and hearing notes that he changes into so many different things and him being a jazz musician and seeing film as a jazz structure where it's you improv and, and you jam in the middle of the thing where you know where you start, and you know where you finish, but you, you take the ride in between and, and, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just a soul, cool, different style, and, and a lot of people don't get it, but those that do get it, you like it says, you know, your first Franco film is, is your first step into the universe, and, and if you go, you go hard, and I have went hard, so it's funny, I kind of, uh, as I think back to when I first got into something, and it's the same way with this, you you hear these things, and you don't think about them, and then when you already far gone you go back and remember oh yeah that's right they said these things and now i'm 20 steps past that so yeah it's 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 interesting so uh once it's in you are in so definitely the franco universe the franco universe is something that's uh meant a lot to me and also to doing the show like i said i met a lot of cool people throughout the years or two years of um, almost two years now doing the show um, met friends through friends, people that love Franco that said, Oh, you should talk to Jason and this and that and such. So yeah, like, um, just met a lot of cool people around the world here, had people I've talked to that are fans that listen to Germany and, and Spain and, uh, um, got, uh, see, look at my list here, got, uh, Australia and, 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 uh, Belgium and Norway and Sweden, Austria, and New Zealand Portugal, France, Ireland, Netherlands. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. We have so many people that listen. Um, I actually had like, God, 30, 35 countries now or something. Actually, it's outdated too. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Actually, I was of, yeah, September of last year. Wow. So it's almost a year old. So, yeah. But it's cool that like also too, like half of our audience is the United States and the other half's the world. So it's... Uh, you see how much people love Jess Franco. I mean, like I said, a huge, we have a huge fan base in Germany and Spain. And that's two areas where Franco did a lot of his films and or had a lot of big audience for his films, I should say. Um, you know, there's a big Franco audience in Germany and Spain and, of course, Portugal and Lisbon and everywhere else. But, uh, yeah, those are just big areas. So it's awesome. Thank you guys for keep listening and uh have listened so far and our fans i really do appreciate everyone who listens every week or who discovers the podcast through other people everyone that subscribes um the word of mouth is always appreciated 
it's always cool when uh, I'll look and see, oh, we have a new fan because somebody will come in and just download 50 episodes or 60 episodes or go through and do the whole catalog now, 100 episodes, and you'll see, oh, that's a new listener because they just downloaded the whole catalog and they're obsessing on Franco. And I don't know if I can further somebody's obsession into Jess Franco and they can learn a little bit from listening to these shows. Uh, I think it's a cool thing. So, well, let's see. I usually talk around this time limit, so this looks like about my good uh, stepping out time. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I want to say. This is my first piece on why I uh, dig Jess Franco. Um, I got on here Bob Moritz, I got Kali, and uh, I got Corey that I talked to, and uh, we'll see who else is on here. So give it a listen, and... uh, once again, thank you for listening to this special edition of the Franco Observer Podcast. There will be no movie review, of course. We are celebrating episode 100 and celebrating the films of Jess Franco. Um, let's see. I'll tell you my top 10 Jess Franco films, too, by the way, as of what I've watched so far. Like I said, I haven't watched... It's cool, too, because this is... Uh, I mean, I've watched a few films past this, like Bloody Moon and Cries of Pleasure and a few things like that. But I'd say uh, my top ten Franco favorite films um, in no order are um, uh, A Virgin Among Living Dead, of course, uh, without the zombie footage, um, the non-John Roland footage version. Uh, she killed in ecstasy, obviously, because uh, my film Lady Hyde, I based a lot of it off that film and of the trope of the uh, revenge film. Uh, number three, uh, third on my top ten favorite Franco films is uh, Vampiros Lesbos, because it's a huge gateway film for me, and about the second or third film that I really got into from Franco, and uh, Soldad Miranda forever changed me into uh, the Franco lover that I am, so that would be huge for that, of course, with Ecstasy as well. Uh, number four, I would say, uh, of ten, is uh, Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun, which really blew me away because I didn't realize how good that film was going to be, and it's one that you're just like, wow, this is like something that should have won Academy Awards, or just it was just amazing, crazy, beautiful film. Uh, number five, uh, The Other Side of the Mirror. Um I have, uh, my father passed away many, many years ago now. It would be, uh, uh, let's see what year this is, uh, about fifth, about 16 years now my father's been gone. So it's funny, I, I, I realized looking at my list of my f- five of my, five of my ten, two of them, two of the two, two, I say two of the top five, uh, Virgin One Living Dead and Other Side of the Mirror both deal with deceased fathers. So it's interesting. I put those links together. But uh, yeah, the, the other side of the mirror, um, which is coming out um, through Macabro, Mondo Macabro, and uh, I just actually, when I'm recording this, I got a little notice. I'm gonna get mine in the mail here in the next few days. So uh, recording this at the end of July. So yeah, I'll be getting mine here before the end of July. So very cool. But yeah, the other side of the mirror, um, the obscene mirror, uh, the two three different versions are good. But yeah, definitely uh, the other side of the mirror is an amazing film. Uh, six cries of pleasure, amazing Dassad themed, uh, sex fest, put it to the limit film. I love it. Uh, number six or six. Okay. Uh, seven, uh, Eugenie Dassad, 
1970 version, of course, another sold-out Miranda film. Three of the seven here are sold-outs. Um, and, of course, Virgin Mon Living Dead is kind of a film he made based off of the grief of the sold-out Rhonda's death. That whole cycle of films after her death were really some of my favorites, um, of which Other Side of the Mirror is part of that as well. Um, uh, Eight of the Demons, which is interesting because that's very similar to uh, Letters of Portuguese Nun. It's another nunsploitation type film, uh, but it's really awesome. It's very similar to Ken Russell's The Devils, where it's about religious hysteria and uh, quote-unquote witch burnings and, and torture and all that stuff. So it's a really amazing film. And um, um, Christina Blanc is amazing in it as well. So, I mean, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bet on names here, but uh, yeah. So, um, let's see. I know that's the wrong name. But anyway, so yeah, The, the Demons um, is great. Uh, nine Les Ebranales, which is an amazing film because uh, that was made right around Sinner. And uh, this is supposed to be the lesser film, but it's so downbeat. And Howard Vernon is such a great Alperia in it that uh, it really blew me away. Les Ebranales, especially with the ending, is so just wow. And uh, 10, finally, is Slaves de Sklaven. Uh, another film I like very much, um, Le Hebranales and uh, Slaves go together very well. Uh, those are kind of similar films. So yeah, I noticed a few are similar together, like The Demons and Love Letters Portuguese Nun go together, and um, uh, She Killed Next to Sea, and of course Empress Lesbos, and just odd films. And So yeah, there's definitely a theme there, but those are uh, ten of my favorites of uh, Jess Franco's I mean, I like a lot of other ones, too, but, yeah, but anyway, so, there is that. Um, okay, like I said, thanks you again for listening to the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, you can always download every episode, uh, or actually subscribe, so then uh, every Wednesday morning at 1 a.m. West Coast time, you will get said episode delivered to your mail or platform or however it works out, and it's always there for you, so, yeah, please uh, subscribe. And uh, you'll get the episodes already lined up, ready to roll. Uh, also, download them. If you haven't had them yet, you will have them there. Um, go back, past, listen to shows if you ever want to uh, have a Franco film. And just go back and look up the episode that deals with the film you just rented or watched or whatever or going to watch. It's always a nice little companion piece. You have... Uh, a little history of the film and a review of the film and people talking about it so you learn a little bit about the film and uh, hopefully that helps you out so check that out uh, there's also a donation button on the red circle page uh, if you feel to subscribe please do it's on the red circle uh, Franco Observer page so the main page so check it out if you care to I would appreciate it because uh, this is labor of love and I don't get paid for this of course which I do for free so if you want to chip in, throw me some money, I'd appreciate it. Thanks, honey. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, find us, of course, on Facebook, Instagram. I don't have any notes in front of me. I'm actually just winging this from past muscle memory. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, you know why we're here as a pledge to preserve and talk about the memory of Jess Franco and his films and to reach out and teach and learn as well all about the beautiful man of Jess Franco and the beautiful 
muse as Lina Rome and all the other amazing people that have worked throughout the years on all the Jess Franco films. It's amazing, too, about his films. There's so many beautiful women and so many cool actors and just so many beautiful locations and things you learn. I've learned of new castles and, and lands and churches and cathedrals and and just all it's Lisbon and Portugal and, and uh, all these just cool little areas I've never known anything about before. Learned all these cool, beautiful women that I've never known about and learned about their history and who they were. And I mean, I, I knew Kali Hansa before and, and people like that, but you know, people like Ann Liebert and, and Martine Steedle and, uh, you know, um, just everybody. It's crazy. Um, Pamela Stanford, Monica Swim, you know, Lino Romay. God, just amazing. So, yeah, it definitely. Franco Universe is the cool universe to be in. There's so much to watch. You'll never get tired of his, of something to watch. you got over 170 films. You have amazing people. You have a whole universe that a lot of people don't know about, you know? So, yeah, jump into the Franco Universe, and uh, it's nice. The Franco Observer will hold your hand into the beautiful universe. So uh, hang out past the bumper, and uh, you'll listen to some of the interviews and discussions I have with my other uh, guest hosts and guest reviewers. So thank you once again. Uh, Buenas noches. See you on episode 101. All right, we are back on episode 100 the grand episode and uh on this episode as you've noticed uh, we're not doing proper film review we're actually talking to past reviewers and past fans and friends of mine that love just franco as much as me and uh, on this segment i'm talking to a friend of mine mr bob moritz who has now been on three episodes this being the fourth one um and he is a fellow filmmaker as myself and he has done tons of work over many years done a lot of cool films and i know he looks at franco in a way i do as well as a filmmaker and as somebody that can teach us and i wanted to ask him a few questions about um what franco was meant to him so bob uh what's one thing that franco has taught you as a filmmaker of something either a shot he's done a technique he's done a way of thinking something that when you think of Franco and your work, how does something that draws from him to you? Probably the most profound thing I can think of is, is yeah, he's been quoted of, he's been quoted saying this that uh, should I start again? No, no, you're okay. Okay, um, he said it before where to be called an amateur is the highest compliment. And that's definitely one of those words that in our, you know, in the previous episode we talked about the word genius. Right. And what bullshit that is and, and how, how, how these certain, I mean, I think it's our Western culture, you know, where, where the adulation is for hard work and dedication and, and seriousness and earnestness, right. you know. And um, Franco's like, fuck that. He's having fun. Yeah. He's doing this because he loves it. And that's what really, really grabbed me because I wanted to be Stanley Kubrick. I wanted to be Alfred Hitchcock when I was growing up. And luckily, my video store was littered with uh, 
Literally, huh? With, with uh, where for some people, for me, it's littered with treasure, right? Uh, but for some, it's trash. Uh, to each his own. But having that exposure to Franco, and and even at the time, I kind of scoffed at these movies. I thumbed my nose at these movies. But as I grew older, and I kept making movies, and I kept watching more and more movies, I came back to these movies, and they really grabbed me as something incredibly special. When Initially, I just kind of rejected Franco because yeah. I was way into Jack the Ripper. And they had Jack the Ripper, uh, Klaus Kinski as Jack the Ripper, just right. Franco. And I was so excited. I love Klaus Kinski. He scared the shit out of me. Right. And I'm all, this is magic. This was, and it was like the word, I, it was so, I mean, maybe I saw the wrong version or well, something. Well, it's the awful Dr. Orloff redisguised as Jack the Ripper. If oh, you watch the awful Dr. Orloff and watch that film, it's the same story. But he just changed it to Jack the Ripper instead of Doctor Orloff. Oh, Jesus. He has oh, an yeah. assistant. Go find women, and it's the same same story. Yeah, I was supposed to. So it's no just, Jack it, the it, but it's basically he was with Dietrich, and he had money, so he's like, okay, I want to do a big budget version of Doctor Awful Doctor Orloff, and we'll just change it to Jack the Ripper and do the same thing, and Klaus Kinski, and yeah, if you watch, it's the same same film. Ugh. But but just the fact that but, yeah. doing it for love, and 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 not really giving a shit, you know, if the shot is perfect. And, uh, you know, George Kuchar was also another person who who really pushed me along in that direction because he'd never take more than five minutes to shoot a scene. Right. You know, and, and to a lot of people, that seems like a ridiculous. You're a joke of a, of a filmmaker if you don't meticulously capture and make. Yeah, fuck that. You know, so so he really kind of gave me a feeling that anything goes, you can do anything what you want. And still make something really cool and really entertaining and, and something truly unique. Well, and also, too, it's like they used to think of, like, w- William One-Shot Bodine. They used to be the joke about that guy and stuff. And But on the other hand, if your actors are so prepared and they got their shit together, you shouldn't have to do multiple takes and multiple shots because they should be able to deliver on the first or second take. And then you move on and it saves everybody's time and energy like we talked about before. And that's so much more efficient and proficient, you know. You get a lot more films made, you know. So doing one film eight, in eight years, you could do eight films in one year, you know. That's the difference between Kubrick and uh, Franco, I think. <laughs> eight in a year. I mean, that's amazing. Even, even Oh, God, he's done 12, and I think four, uh, 14 was the most, I think, and maybe like 12 of those got released, and one was like half finished, and the other one just was never put out or whatever. But, yeah, that's like crazy. That's like doing two at one and just, you know, yeah, doing two a month or whatever and just, yeah, using using one, 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 uh, you're filming one movie and then grabbing shots for another film off of this one and then doing another one and taking more shots for that other film. And then by the time you have four films done, you actually have five because you've been taking shots off of each one of these four and then making a fifth one. And you can just keep flowing. And yeah. And Plus, he didn't. Days, it, you couldn't just put it on a hard drive and label it in little no. folders. It, it, it's on these huge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hanging. So, uh, oh. And sometimes he would edit or other times he just have somebody he knows edit and then go to the next one and just have that guy put it all together because he's got all the notes and everything and that saves a lot of time too if he didn't have to edit everything so you know but yeah that's just that's really amazing but yeah with him for me it was like like we talked about like as well when I first got into Franco I didn't like him as well I thought he was kind of cheesy and a few things I liked because I got into him for the Fu Manchu films because I liked Christopher Lee and oh I love Fu Manchu he's one of my favorite yeah. characters and those movies were always the more low budget yeah. Fu Manchu films and it was like oh and it was always passed off as oh here's the quickie and this is what killed Fu Manchu and blah 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 so it was always had a negative connotation and then later on getting into all of the other films and like Doris Wishman and Ed Wood and everything else and such those are like my starter films and then I was as a young filmmaker and getting older and stuff, I was always like, well, I want to be like, you're saying like Stanley Kubrick or 
Martin Scorsese or, or these guys who I looked up to and was my vision of what a good filmmaker was. And now as I get older, I love that I'm compared to, you know, Ed Wood, Doris Wishman, uh, those type of filmmakers. Cause to me, that's just, that's the beauty of it. And you're still telling the same story and it's, and it's got its own style. And if something's better or cooler or whatever, it's just in the eye of the beholder and it's not the universal truth. Everybody has their own opinion. And it's like Doris Wishman is here on some people's scale and the people she's down there. And, it's just really it doesn't mean anything you know when it yeah, comes down to know, it jason frankly i'd rather have a beer with ed wood or doris wishman yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah you're, you're not being judged and and, you, and you're probably the same ilk and you cut from the same cloth and and they're all such more cooler people and just yeah so much better i think just uh live in that land because and also to those represent more freedom and i think freedom is always our our key word as being independent filmmakers because to me the freedom is the most important thing and when you compromise, like, for instance, I watched um, The Beastmaster. That was the first time I watched that film. And it was Don Coscarelli's follow-up to Phantasm. And he had Phantasm. It's so amazing, all the visions and his ideas. And he had the freedom to do all this stuff. It is Beastmaster. And you see some of the same concepts, the young boy with the older guy and, and, the, and the flying ball and the sphere. And there's things that are mixed in. But you see all these other interference from these Italian producers that came on board. And you could tell, like, a lot of his stuff got neutered and it changed. And you could see where... The idea is still there, but when you start putting barriers on things and making it commercial and it has to fit these certain holes and, and plots or, you know, stuff, it just doesn't really work out that way. And it really compromises everything in the end, you know. And, and I think that's the big irony, which is really funny, is that you have more freedom when you don't have a huge fan base and you don't have a budget to make movies that look like they're professional movies. Right. Because if you, you know, because we've seen enough stuff and we know how things are and you know what formula you know like we talked about in a previous episode how Franco like in the beginning of uh, Devil Hunter where he has the cross cutting scenes and he's showing you oh here's how you make a movie and you can just tell the story and it's a good lesson and, and it's just like there's enough lessons out there for people that is film school in my opinion I never go to film school I watch movies and see how they do things and it's all it's same thing it's they're teaching you and you just follow along and if you can figure it out then you write it down and take notes and just like anything else, you, you're studying and learning. So, uh, like with that, it's just the same thing. It's like, so if you know those techniques, you could just use those techniques and not worry about the budget. Because when it comes down to it, you're, it all comes down to telling the story. Can you tell the story well? And if you don't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have, if you can't tell the story, you can't tell a fuck story. And there's m- movies that made or that were made for what fifty, sixty million that can't tell a fucking story. You know, um, so yeah, 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 yeah that or even just some of the modern films that are just like a big beautiful mess and you just don't know what the fuck's going on or it's like wow you wasted you could have made 10 films for that or 50 films for that price but but yeah no that's the thing with with franco i mean some of his stuff's incoherent and some of his stuff is more linear but he always has a a, a, a feel and, and a vibe and and uh something to him that you always just know you're watching a franco film and that's a sign of another good filmmaker like you always know you're watching a Bob Ward's film or you know you're watching a Jason Rudy film and we have those touches that I know as filmmakers that you can always tell, Oh, this is this guy's film, that guy's film where which is good and I think that's a big bright jacket or something that you wear to distinguish yourself from other people. You're not just wearing the same white shirt as everybody else or whatever, you know. And I, and I feel that that comes when you're an autodidact, you know what I mean? When, when like you're saying about how you never went to film school, no. I never went to film school, you know, and and, and we find our way. We yeah. find our own style. Uh, 
you know, just just like kind of like a, you know, you've got guitar players like Eric Clapton. I mean, not you know Eric Clapton. Right. I mean, he's, but still, you know, he's a name. Yeah. But, but he's a, he's a name, and he's a good guitar player, and everything like that. But he doesn't know how to read music or anything right. like that. And and he's got his own band. Oh yeah, I know. There's people that could could same with Jimi Hendrix. Say like Jimi Hendrix couldn't read music, but he would just compose all the stuff and play, and then he would have to figure out what notes he was playing and all this other stuff, and then design around that. But yeah, if you're if you have that in you, you just know what you're doing, and just it just comes by feel and and people see things or don't see things or whatever it's just that's just how it is you know yeah and when you're around it all the time and you're absorbing the movies like i just started keeping a journal of the movies i'm watching i'm all jesus christ i watched like three movies yesterday wow what the hell else did i do yeah you know well i'm also on summer vacation right oh that's now. good though yeah 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 but, but no but that's an accomplishment even any time to watch three movies a day that's pretty heavy you know but you're always ingesting yeah and and uh i felt i feel like there's a i have a problem when i'm only ingesting and not creating right. anything yeah and also when i'm just creating and i'm not ingesting totally you know so it's kind of finding that balance which is hard because they both take a lot of time like for right now like i'm editing and doing a bunch of stuff so i i use a film as a treat like okay if i do a good job for a couple hours then the time takes my lunch break i'll treat myself to watch a movie and it's like oh and that way i'm not just you know it's a it's a good thing. It's like oh well, I, I didn't do good, so I can't watch this. And it makes yes, you want to work harder, you know. Yes, your little dangling carrot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Treat. I like that. That's good. I do that. Too. Yeah. I mean, because you could watch a movie on yourself, whatever. It doesn't mean anything, but if you use it as a as a reward system, yeah, just whatever, you know. I don't know. It's just whatever spurs you to work harder, do do better, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, but Franco, a lot of times watching him, I like it because not all films I'm this way about, but after him. Not every one of his films, but maybe every other film. I'm always inspired to like write or edit or do something like, okay, now I got to do this after watching his film because it just kind of gets the blood moving and stuff and, and gets the creativity flowing again. So that's one thing I always dig about him as a fellow filmmaker. And I think it's just that energy that he put out. He's such a uh, universal force. And doing this podcast, it's crazy because living in Sacramento and my films are a certain area and regional but with Franco I literally have fans that listen to this show weekly around the whole world and it's like Franco's so amazing that like he has people around the whole world that still love him daily you know and that's nothing else I think you could ask for you know after yeah, you die, it, so. it kind of, it's kind of cool though how he he made French movies he made German movies oh, yeah. he made Spanish movies he made English movies you know so so that does kind of it, it, it's a wider dispersion of the seed yeah and 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 his such a wide variety you know you get a lot of the horror stuff then you get and, and Franco fans are always really interesting too because it's like they're they're over, they're really like us they're very creative people I mean it's a wide variety of course but a lot of the ones are really hardcore film fans and they're into the the, the 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 farthest reaches of the fucking cinema bizarre scape you could find is that one little teeny planet f- furthest away from all the yeah. other planets is the little Franco planet and it's like all the cool you know and then it's like you already been to all the other planets now you're in the Franco planet and it's like it's own little thing and it's great too because there's such a wide variety there's scholars and then there's just a 15 year old kid that's just discovering them that loves them as much as somebody that's loved them for 40 years you know so it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's kind of better than like a filmmaker like Bellatar, where the only people who like him are a bunch of fucking snobs. Yeah, exactly. Or somebody. Yeah, see, I don't even know who that is. So that's that's good. Yeah, well, because you're not <laughs> one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, so it's good. I think I think Franco's. You know, and Franco was a total working man. I mean, he's he's a good working man director. He's an honest person. And he's just he doesn't you know what you see is what you get. He's he's not false like we talked about with other things and such. So I think that makes him such a true a true thing. So. But yeah, it was good. So I think that's that's a good uh, talk about Franco. So um, yeah, thank you very much, Bob, for talking to me. 
thanks for talking to me. I always have fun on these. Yeah, awesome. Very good. So, okay. All right, so let's jump into a couple questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, what got you into Jess Franco movies? Well, originally, um, I, I got into Jess Franco first. I discovered him through liking Christopher Lee because mm-hmm. I'm a big uh, Fu Manchu fan. So I saw the first two Fu Manchu films, or not the first, but the two he did for Jess Franco, the fourth and fifth film. Uh, what is it? Blood and Castle. Blood of Fu Manchu, Castle of Fu Manchu. Yeah. And I had collected all those films on VHS back in the day, and, and I wanted to see these other two. And I watched them, like, oh, these are not as good as the other ones. They're a lot cheaper and kind of hokey, and he's black and white footage for another movie. And I, and I kind of, like, dissed it, like I talked about earlier. You know, it's like, oh, this is kind of uh, whatever, you know. Yeah. You know, the other ones are better. This guy did Hammer films and blah, 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 blah. So the time goes by and all this other stuff. And I kind of look at Franco a little bit and stuff. I kept reading about a little of this and that stuff. And then I'd say in my 20s, I was a little bit into him. And I'm like 48 now. And I got back into him maybe like three years ago, four years ago. And what made me really get back into him was I saw a couple images, uh, certain things that caught my attention. And I saw the movie Slaves, uh, D. D. Sklaven, or Slaves is the one. It's put off through full moon. uh, In the box set, yeah. Yeah, the box set. And then I, I ended up buying it through later on the uh, the uh, Dietrich one, the Blu-ray. And these are really good. Um, these have, like, uncut versions. And on some movies, they have, like, the X-rated version and the regular version. Not this film, but... but So it's funny. It's like an Easter egg. We were watching a regular movie, like, say, White Skin and Black Thighs or Girls of uh, the Night Traffic. And you go, and you go, like, left, left, right, right and stuff. Then it jumps to a thing, and you're like, what? And you click it, and then it's, like, the X-rated version. And it's all full shots and they're like whoa these are the wow and that made me go oh my god like these are these actresses and i was thinking like what if hollywood actresses did a movie and then they did like an x-rated version and it was like an easter egg or something like how crazy would that be you know it's like you watch this movie now you're gonna watch it again with full penetration or, or whatever you know i, I think in the most for the most part you probably get like body doubles or something but I, yeah you know. yeah but full like i'm just like wow and that just blew me away like wow, that's a really interesting way. And then I started watching a little more of his stuff. And then I would say uh, Slaves and then uh, A Virgin Among Living Dead. I, I watched that and that just sealed it for me. It was so beautiful and the way it ended and the whole thing. And I was like, okay, I I, I got to give this guy another look. And so I started like watching a few, I started reading. So I bought these books, The Murderous Passions and the, um, it's Murderous Passions right here, the Stephen Thrower one. Yeah, Stephen oh Murder. yeah. That one, part one and part two. So I start reading and kind of researching and read a little bit. Oh, that sounds really cool. And I'd buy a movie, buy a movie. And then I just like start doing it. And at the time I had a good job and I was bought, had a bunch of extra income. So I started buying all this DVDs and Blu-ray, started watching them. And then I was like thinking, you know what? And I, and I like talking film. I like breaking things down, all that other stuff. So I thought, you know, I should do a podcast on Jess Franco because he's done so many goddamn movies and most of these directors do 10 or 20 films. You do 10 or 20 episodes and that's it or whatever. But Franco, he's got like, 174 films or somewhere around there, 200, whatever. And yeah. so it's like, you know, you got a lot of content and not a lot of people were doing it. They would do a movie about his or stuff with their other stuff. Like, Oh, there's my Blu-ray review of this film or whatever. And over time. So I kind of looked at route and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I don't want to do stuff. Everybody else is doing either. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do just Franco. And then I started doing it. And now it's been 
this October will be two years and up to number 99 now. So I just do one a week. And uh, yeah, it's, it really, and as a filmmaker, like I said earlier, it really helped me because I learned how he worked and saw tricks he did. And the more stuff I saw that he did that I've done over the way of the way I look at things and film things and self-financing and a lot of films I'll do for like, uh, I mean, I hate to say numbers, but I can do a film for a thousand or 2000 bucks. And it looks like a $10,000 film or something. It's like, wow. You know, and most people don't think that way and, and stuff. So it's like, and like we talked about earlier of just saying, okay, well, I can't make Star Wars. Okay, well, who cares? If you could make a movie that's good that you like and other people like, who cares? It's you, you do your own thing. And it's like, you kind of go way back around. I People I used to make fun of, like Doris Wishman, or not make fun of, but that I didn't think was as strong like Doris Wishman or Ed Wood or, or, or you know, Ray Dennis Steckler, those guys. They're really amazing people because they did stuff on their own or had financing, a little financing, and, and they told their story. And a lot of their stuff still holds up it has an audience 40, 50 years later, people still love the stuff. So what's the difference, you know? Yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. And you know, let me tell you, so this is how I got turned on to your show. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, so my origin with Franco is that I saw, you know, I've been, I've been a full moon fan for a long time. Yeah. I had no idea who the, who the hell Je- Jess Franco was, but um, Charles Ban you know, full moon direct his website. He starts, we got Jess Franco movies. Now we're putting them out on DVD and Blu-ray. And I'm like, who the hell is Jess Franco? And then one day I was messing around on, on Amazon prime. And I went through and I saw female vampire. Right. Okay. Knew nothing about Jess Franco, but I was like, what's the, what's the fuss here? And I, you know, I kind of know Charles band. I know, what he's into and stuff. I wanted to see what it was about. So I start watching it. I'm like, this is one of the most sexual films I've ever seen in my life. That's not a porn. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of porn. It's, it's a beautiful film. Like, oh, yeah, like yeah. female vampire is, is, is gorgeous. Uh, Lena's amazing in it. The, the outfits, the, the ambiance, the, the shots, the blue tint to like everything. It's, it's, I, I, I was, my mind was sort of blown by it. Cause I, and, and I kept going back and forth. I was like, am I just enjoying this because it's a ton of nudity or am I enjoying this because it's something different I've never seen. And so I dug in a little deeper. Um, I was trying to think of what the next thing I got was. Um, I think Vampiros Lesbos was the next thing I watched. Vampiros Lesbos is a very solid film, regardless of yeah. it, it's a solid, uh, vampire Dracula story. It's a really good film. I just kept digging deeper and deeper and, and it's just not all of them are zingers, right? Some of them are not great, but he always tried to do something different, I think. And that's, that's kind of what got me into it. And so I see you posting on Facebook in like the, uh, um, the vinegar syndrome group, I think. And then the, the Severin group. Severin and the, yeah. Yeah. Those ones trying to get my show. Hey, cause usually I would try to do like this titles from Severin. So I'll put it in that group to see who might listen to it or something, you know? I see this picture, this hand-drawn picture of, of Jess Franco with holding a knife. I'm like, who is this guy? And so I, I start following your show and listening to you and stuff. I'm like, I like this guy. And, you know, someone's out there that likes Jess Franco more than I do. And, and that's cool. It's going to be fun to talk to him. So that's, that's the whole reason I'm glad we could put this together. Cause I, it's been a long time of me just saying kindred spirit is out there. I would like yeah. to pick this dude's brain for a little bit. So. 
No, that's totally cool. Yeah, because you talked to me earlier, and I was like, "Hey," and I just came back around again. I was like, "Hey, let's let's talk or something." And you were contacting me back around, like, "Let's let's 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 do this, man. Let's just get get it out of the bag." And and we talked about a film that we could do. And I was like, "Hey, I got this coming up. You got this. You got that. And yeah, let's just do it. Just jump on it and, and have a good time." But yeah, no, Frank was cool. Like, female vampire was another one that really started getting me on track and stuff. Going, "Wow, this is really like same thing." Like going. Is it cool because it's the nakedness and stuff, or is it just really beautiful? And I was actually liking the story. I was like, "Wow, I'm really liking this." I'm so, and I and I like being surprised. And I like, like I tell people, a lot of the stuff. I think we talked about already. A lot of stuff you you make fun of or stuff. It's almost like when you're young, you it's not that you're intimidated by it, but maybe subconsciously you are, or you don't know things you don't know. You kind of make fun of. You're like, "Oh, that guy's stupid." Blah, 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 blah. And you get older, you're like, "Oh no, this is amazing." And blah 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 blah, because you could experience more. Maybe it's life experience or maybe it's just things we go through when we get older or what, but it's just, I don't know. I think, and I found that with certain music and, and things and philosophies or certain things, it's just like, you can't really knock it till you try it. You know, it's like the old expression, really. Exactly. And it's, I think that's the, the Franco appeal for me is that if I order two or three Franco Blu-rays from Severn that I've never seen, I really don't even have to read the descriptions. I'm just like, I pop it in. I'm going to see something now. It may not be great. It may be very weird, but (laughs) you know, I'm going to see something different. That's, you know, that's, I think that's what all of us kind of like cinephiles or whatever you want to call us movie buff people. We're all kind of chasing this dragon of seeing something that's different, not necessarily like offensive or right. You know, it's, it's like going back to when you were a kid and you first watched the Goonies or first watched, Star Wars, like you mentioned, like these were like magical moments yeah, in your yeah. development. So very few things are going to live up to that. So if you can find these like crazy movies, they're just something different. You never see it kind of sparks that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I tell people like for me, I kind of went through a thing in my twenties and thirties where I realized that like, I think the key to life is to f- figure out those things you liked as a kid and go back to them and figure out. Cause that all basically is where it all spins off of. Cause the things we're most attracted to is like our, our first, almost like our gut instinct. Like for me, it was Jason, the Argonauts. I saw Jason, the Argonauts as a kid in the late seventies, early eighties, uh, the weekends, they would always show old movies at the local theater and you'd see the kitty matinees, which they don't do too much anymore. But you know, I saw Jason, the Argonaut and the Sinbad movies and all that stuff. And all those things were so exciting to me and so different. And, and it captured your imagination. And I think like you talked about, we all want something that captures our imagination and that, we're surprised by and that we look forward to not it doesn't have to shock us and numb us and titillate us and all that other shit. That's whatever. That's our own extra stuff. But just that imagination, the thing that keeps our interest going, you know, and that's huge. Yeah. Cause a lot of that stuff that really shocks and, and you know, I mentioned a Serbian goes, film earlier. I, I didn't, that's a well-made movie. I didn't enjoy watching it though. That's no, I, I, I went to that with a friend, a friend said, Oh my God, you got to watch the movie, blah, blah, blah. Two guys watch it. Same two, I'm a filmmaker. He's a filmmaker. I'm more wild with my sensibilities with film. He's more of a Spielberg, kind of George Lucas guy, whatever. So maybe that's part of it, I'm sure. We will say, I'll watch it at the end. He's like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm like, that was stupid. That was just like, this fake, that's, I'm like, you know how it was made. And it's just like, I just, it didn't really affect me. I just didn't really, I don't know. But to him, it was just like, so yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> I, I, I think like, um, once I had kids, a lot of my sensibilities right. changed. Yeah, see, like, and I don't have kids and that's a big difference. I, I do understand that because my brother has a son and you change when you have kids and that's, and I totally, and especially with that film, I, I can totally see that. 
the the two two better examples. I mean, that one obviously is a like crazy if you think right. about your kids. But I did, I the first time I watched Pumpkinhead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like it. Okay. I liked the creature. Right. But I thought the the movie was sort of right had old, no impact. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you when I first felt that when it first came out too. And Pet Cemetery. I didn't care yeah. for it. I was like, what's the big but then I had kids, dude. And yeah. I, you see that kid get hit by the motorcycle and Pumpkinhead, and you see Gage get hit by that truck in Pet Cemetery, and you just feel this visceral like pain in the gut. And you're like, Okay, this movie's had the impact and then the story piled on top of it just had I don't There's think you have to have kids for that to happen, but but right. that's what it took for me. And that's and that's a good feel because that's very manipulative. It took something that you feel, and they're manipulating that feeling for that story to get that effect. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that's that part of being a good filmmaker is to is to have that thing. Like you talk about Franco with tension and other things that you see, imagination and, and other things. And and uh, yeah, I, I definitely am big time influenced by that. Well, that's a that's a good segue, and uh, you know. Um, we'll have to wrap up pretty soon, but let's yeah, talk yeah. a little bit about your filmmaking. You've got um, Lady Hyde. Yeah, I got Lady Hyde coming out uh, July 21st. It's premiering in Sacramento at the Dreamland Cinema, and we're playing it again the 24th. And then after that, I'm going to look into different film festivals or what, trying to see where I might want to put it. I'm also going to go through Film Hub and uh, try to distribute it uh, streaming-wise and see if I can try to sell it to Tubi or or, you know, any of these other channels online and stuff. I'm going to go through that and, and try to do that. I've never done that before. I've always just um, sold DVDs at conventions and done it in ways, but I take it a few years off and now the whole game's changed. So now I'm going to try to put out the, this is my 14th film uh, as a filmmaker, uh, mostly features. I've done maybe like six shorts and eight features somewhere around there. Um, true crime and horror and everything and stuff. This film Lady Hyde is kind of my take on, uh, she killed an ecstasy. It's mixed that mixed with lady wrestling mixed with a bunch of other stuff and some of my sensibilities and ideas and such. So that's this one. And then I have also, so basically last year I had filmed two films, Jess Franco style. I had got, I had a uh, nutshell. I basically worked a job for two and a half years, was really, really depressed, made a bunch of money, saved with that money, bought the camera, bought some equipment, quit my job. Uh, hired a bunch of actors. We shot two films in about two weeks. And then I about had a nervous breakdown from all of going crazy and <laughs> all that stuff. But I mean, not really, but just crazy. And then over the last year, I've sat down and editing, putting these films together. And now uh, Lady Hyde's done, ready to be played. And the next film, 15, is uh, Emmanuel in Sin City. It's my Emmanuel film, uh, which is crazy because I see they're doing a new Emmanuel movie coming out with. E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-L-E. Um, if you're familiar, there's a Manuel from Sylvia Christel, which is a, three films in the 70s. And mm-hmm. then they did a whole bunch of knockoffs uh, with Laura Gemser, the Black Emanuel, and Emanuel in America, and the Rock Nights of Living Dead, all that stuff. And that's uh, Emanuel with one M to get away from the legal problems. So I did a one film, or one M Emanuel, and there's about 40 or 50 Emanuel films out there. So it's, it's a genre unto itself. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've got, uh, and I haven't watched it. I've got Emmanuel and Francois. Yeah. That's what, that's probably the original one. That's where the whole thing came from. It's not an Emmanuel film, but that's the first thing with Emmanuel in the title. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I haven't dug too deep into the history of those. Now I've watched was escape from 
women's prison. Yeah, with Laura Gimser. She plays Emmanuel on that too. That's they retitle some of the stuff they retitle Emmanuel because she's in it. They'll call it an Emmanuel movie because Laura Gimser's in it. She's the black Emmanuel. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's something yeah, that's a whole other thing that you can look into and see. It's a whole <laughs> it's a lot about film holding for subgenres. Yeah, but basically uh Lady Hyde is basically a story about a uh, scientist who develops a vac- a uh, vaccine for COVID. I had done it before the vaccine actually came out. It shows you I wrote the story like three years ago and uh, kind of cashed in on that. And basically these other scientists uh, destroy his notes and destroy everything. And he commits suicide. And so the wife goes crazy and kills all the scientists one by one. So that's Lady Hyde. And oh, uh, Emmanuel yeah. in Sin City is basically about a – uh, my Emmanuel is a, a reporter and a former wrestler and a former model, and she investigates the murder of her friend's sister in Las Vegas, who worked for these uh, pornography rings and uh, snuff snuff filmmakers and that. And so she goes underground and goes undercover to try to figure out who murdered uh, this woman and the people involved, and that's that story. So. That's awesome, dude. I, yeah, I, I, I knew you'd made a few. I didn't – 14, though, man. Yeah, I did uh, Mondo Sacramento Part 1 and Part 2. I did two films about true crime in Sacramento, all true stories that I did. And I had uh, Lynn Lowry. I don't know if you know who Lynn Lowry is, but she was in – Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Crazies. Yeah, yeah. She's in my Mondo Sacramento 2. She plays uh, killer Dorothea Puente, who was a landlady that murdered uh, seven people in her backyard. It's all true, true life stuff back in the 80s. That's awesome, dude. So yeah, dude, I have a funny on. story about her. Yeah, yeah, go for it. We were at a convention down in Atlanta. I took a friend of mine. He, he, I don't, I don't know if it's his first convention or just, you know, one of his earlier ones. Anyway, uh, Lynn Lowry was there, um, and she had a table, you know, set up a table with the autographs and stuff like that. And there was a picture of her topless. Right, right. Like a, it was like a, I, I want to say it was like a poster. Like it was a big picture. It wasn't you just the Playboys, probably from that maybe or something. Who knows? It, it could it could have been. Now most cons you have to cover up the right. nipples or what you know whatever's on there. So she had like quarters <laughs> strategically placed on him. Someone bumped the table and they slid out of the way. And I looked down. I was like, oh, because we were just talking to her, right? And my right. buddy just goes without even without even pausing, he just takes his hand and goes slid both the quarters back in place. And she goes, thank you so much. You gentlemen. He's like, no problem. It was, it was, it was like the, 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 I don't know, like the captain Morgan putting his, you know, foot up on the barrel yeah. or like the most interesting man in the world. It was, it was a funny moment. Yeah. No, it was awesome. It was awesome being a director and having her in my film and directing her. That was like probably my high point as a, as a filmmaker is having Lynn Lowry over and directing her. And then I uh, interviewed her about her career and she signed all these, DVDs and Blu-rays I had of her films and we went out and had dinner and she's so cool. She's awesome. That, that is awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times. All right, man. Well, Jason, I've had a good time, man. I think we should do this again. For sure, Corey. No, I'm totally, totally glad to meet you. It's our first time talking and hanging out and it seems like we're old friends, so that's always good. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, uh, working with me on this. It's, it's no, been a blast. You. Yeah, yeah thank you for coming on my side of the podcast as well. It's really nice having the Spooky News podcast and, and all that good stuff. And totally follow you guys and gonna go back and listen to all your shows. So looking forward well, to it. Thank you very much. And anytime, anytime. You guys, if you're if you're listening to Spooky Dudes, go check out the Franco Observer. Uh, you can find that on. I get it through 
my iPhone. You can find it through whatever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, it's 10 or, 12, 10 or 12 stations we got it on, so we got a lot of platforms. And it's good that I was talking to you, Jason, because uh, something in our conversation shook my order from the halfway to Black Friday Severn sale loose, and now it's shipped. Woo! Yay, little Franco <laughs> jam on you. Yeah. Franco magic. I just got mine a couple days ago. So, or actually, Saturday, I got my uh, Makuma Sexual, Faceless, and uh, Mansion of the Living Dead finally came in. So, that's awesome. I, th- I always wait till they go a little bit on sale. I'm not the I'm not the initial yeah. buyer. But but these Mansion and Makumba were only like twenty bucks. So I was like, that's probably what they're going to be the bottom price anyway. So I went and picked it up because they're just upgrades anyway. But they're still nice to look at. So I almost did. I got that nun. Um, oh box. yeah, the box set. Yeah, it, it was, was like forty good. bucks, dude. Yeah, they had the Christopher Lee with Mark was marked down, and one other one. I think that three box sets are like half price. That that, that is a good deal. That's a killer deal. All right, man. We could talk all night, but we can't because yeah, sure. I'm tired. <laughs> all right, sure, brother. Man. We will. We will talk to you soon, Jason. All right. Adios. All right. Okay. So number 100, I'm basically, this is an episode, as you've heard before, that uh, it's not really a review on film. I'm just basically talking to different people about different aspects of Jess Franco. And uh, today I'm talking to Miss Colleysini, who has, of course, been on our show many, many, many times. And I want to ask her, um, all of us have different things that Franco means to us. And you kind of said it in our other episode, but what does just Franco mean to you? <laughs> oh, um, I mean, that's like asking me to define God. <laughs> no, not, not about a thing. I mean, what, what does just Franco bring to your yes. life? Franco brings in my life. Um, there you go. That's a better question. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, sexy time is for a start, you know, like yeah. you go from there. But I mean, I was just See, going on a, on a tear on a rant about how I, I, I do think that he, uh, he has kind of this the perception that we are, you know, these magical animals, basically that we, 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 you know, I, I, sorry, now I'm trying to paraphrase what I just said. And then you start stumbling over words, but, <laughs> um, but the, I, what I was going on about was just that, that, that he, as far as justice worldview, he does seem to feel like we are, we are all animals and we are just kind of, you know, so close to these primal desires. And, you know, we want to fuck and we want to murder and we want to, you know, be lustful and we want to, you know, beg and we, and, and we want to hurt and we want to, to do all of these, you know, emotionally charged moments. And that's what we want to live passionately. And why is it that humans are so passionate? Why are we like that? You know, I mean, because it's like he's saying sometimes you know, that we are just like the animals, but then the animals are not as passionate as we are, it seems like, you know, I mean, my cats, they can, they can t- give her, you know, th- they'll have these moments, but they're not, I don't know, it just seems like humans we get, you know, mental, we go around and, and, and mass shoot and we, we do crazy things, you know, that nothing and no one else does. Why do we do this? Why is this who we are? And so it seems like, you know, when I watch Franco, just, I, I feel like he's trying to get to the root of like our passions and try to get us to, to see that how, how crazy we kind of, I mean, talk, he, he always shows women as being possibly crazy. That's always a theme in his movies, you know, that, that they're like this, the borderline and, and then there's these men gaslighting them most of the time. And there's so much like, 
you know, is, are they witches? Are they, you know, but they like, are they witches because they are so, you know, uh, seducing, so, so captivating. So, you know, like, like Lena, you know, is so she's, I mean, all of his women that he has, all of his, um, femme fatales, you know, I mean, it, he's, he's, he selects these women that are just going to destroy you. And then he wants to play with your mind about it. And he wants to just wind you into this, these, these tales where you're, 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 you're feeling lustful, but curious, and you want to go explore with him, these stories that he's finding in our, our, our desirous human natures. Yeah, it's funny because as a as a film fan, as you're talking about, I, I didn't kind of think about that. He's very female centric, same as in Russ Meyer to a certain aspect and same as in John Waters to a certain aspect where they're very female driven films, even though there's male characters in that as well. But they're more centered around a female or female has the power in all of these films mm-hmm. and they're always driven by a strong female. Um, and yeah, and, and, and definitely with what you're talking about, because you always see. If you think of Jess Franco, you think of females. Like that's a, a usual strong stone. And as a filmmaker myself, that's what I gravitate towards. So I think for me, Jess Franco means creativity. Whenever I watch him, I feel inspired to write or do things. I know with you, he he inspires sexuality or not sexuality, but he inspire he inspires your cravings as well watching him so it's cool that you take something different off him than i do which is kind of cool you know it's okay to say inspires my sexuality yeah i mean mean, yeah it does but yeah it definitely does have a outlet to it as well so i thought that was really really cool you know because you're one person i talk to that has that side of which which is different than other people i speak to so Yeah. I mean, he inspires my creativity as well. I mean, I, I, I adore, he, he's just, he's very inspiring in general, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Then the characters, I mean, I, I like how his men are always, I mean, to me, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just how I, I think I'm very sexually attracted to um, toxic male fragility and I think that it is best um, uh, kind of shown in a macho style um, and uh, and but not like I don't know how to explain. It. There's different brands of. Oh, macho, yeah, no, for I sure. Suppose. And I, I feel like Jess explores that a lot in his his men. You know, they all have like this certain strength and power. But the thing is, is that they're always being undone by a woman and <laughs> like that because that's why they are showing all of this you know, bravado half the time and why they're trying to be clever and why they're trying. It's all because women run the world at the end of the day and they're all doing it for the women and they're all driven by these women. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I love looking at all that. The men that are good in this film are usually weak and they're, and they're very fragile, like you're talking about. And then the men that are evil are usually, uh, older or like the father characters or the matriarchal characters or the, people that have power or authority like the people in the in the in the nuns and the fathers yeah, actually those yeah. are the ones i mean who have the fragility like yeah, the okay, ones yeah, who yeah, are, yeah. are gentle and kind those are not the fragility yeah no but i'm saying like like those are like how, how he shows men he shows men that are good as as weaker and more fragile and they're usually not as strong but the ones that are usually carry through his films are usually guys that are manipulative or or evil or there's something that they have a plan or something that's Sometimes it's like the evil thing, but a lot of times it's just that like they're trying to be a certain, um, they're start trying to have a certain power, or they're trying to, I don't know, like it. it well, because I, I think of like she killed always- in ecstasy. Her husband was weak, and he killed himself, and she had to do the deed and do it. 
And then in like, oh, what a honeymoon, you know, Lena's the one doing it all and pulling the guy along. And it's just the guy's always for the ride. That's the little guy. But then you have the guys that are more evil, like, you know, Eugenie and all these guys that are doing plans and doing evil shit or trying to fuck people and creating all this shit and just, you know, <laughs> doing all this bad shit or whatever. It's just crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, just I I I just like his strong um uh male female characters the way yeah. that he plays them uh, to to again against and yet for each other because they're always trying to kind of get one over on each other and yet you know they're they're really just getting one over on themselves most of the time just it's just all chaos but they're all just trying to get laid and or trying to you know get these emotions resolved in their their psyches and they're just all trying you know it's just that's the storytelling yeah that's that's a good point that's actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. It's just very basic story of just, you know, just exactly what you said. That's the basic needs of people. And that's the story you tell, no matter what time frame or what land or what, it's always the same story. So, and that is a good point, you know, uh, yeah. of, of his storytelling as well. Yeah. Just Lena prancing around and she, you know, she just wants to have, live her best life. And, you know, then these men fall for her and then she gets caught up into some crazy world. And yeah. Yeah, this is the way that the world goes. And yeah, he just captures, he just continues to tell these stories, just one after the next, you know, I mean, a dozen a year or what have you. And he just keeps piling them on and, and just doesn't, you know, doesn't look back, just keeps going and telling more and more stories because he just, he's seeing something in us and he wants to reflect it. It's all of his mirrors and all of his movies. He's just reflecting us back and he's showing us who we are. And these like, you know, fun, whimsical, you know, way. I mean, I just love how he, he, he'll take his dark things, you know, he'll, and he'll uh, death and he'll show us all these different art, you know, uh, that come oh, yeah. out of it. like uh, he'll, he'll, he'll show the, you know, the, all this beauty in, in death, even beauty and, and everything there's lightness and humor. And even when it's these dark moments, he still brings it in this kind of whimsical, uh, it always kind of comes back to that. It's all just a fever dream. It's all just a dream. You know? Yeah. No, that's a really good point you brought up because one of my favorite periods of his life and his filmmaking is when after uh, Soldat Miranda died and he, and his films for about 10 or 12 films after that, before Lena came in the picture, it was all about death and, and a lot of Soledad kept popping up in all of his films and that theme of him questioning her death and their partnership and what could have been and all this stuff. And you see it in all of his art and he's like trying to get it out of his system and all this stuff. And it's really, really amazing. And watching it and observing it and going over this stuff, it's, it's really, really, really a really good thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the, his happy ending that he found. Oh Lena. yeah. They got Lena. And that's all perfect. Yeah. And it all worked out. Yeah. So, so he found his true, truest muse. Cause I don't think Solidar would have ever gone to the, the, the levels that, uh, no, it's it's not fair to speculate on someone who died. I understand, but it's just Lena was a special woman, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she was willing to just. I think she saw. She really saw Jess. You know, she really saw like what he was going for, and she was totally a hundred percent. It seemed like she understood that what they were doing was bigger than that movie or that you know that right. scene. She, I think, she got it with Jess that it was they were, they were creating something bigger than that. They were creating this body of work that was going to show 
and it, it and and whatever was happening in that scene needed to happen as as full on as Jess and her could realize it because this was going to be you know part of something bigger than 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 them you know it was I think that they understood they were connected to something I mean I I don't mean to be too you know I, I I'm you know I'm one of those salty atheists but I I do think that there is some sort of you know like you you know when you're on that path right. and well, you're, true. You're, you're kind of making this like a something magical happen and and you know that you need to just give yourself to it completely you need to just focus believe and in dive yeah I, I mean you know yeah yeah this is what they believe in is these films and this and and just continuing to make these and tell these stories because they know that the way they're telling them is special and unique and even though they're silly and and maybe it's just you know like the, what is it that macamba sexual I, I just i'm thinking of you know the woman walking down the beach and she's got the you know the guys in chains and, <laughs> and there's just you know like there's there's silly like you know power but there's power in that and there's there's sexual power plays and there's you know these just like fearless examples of our innermost dreams desires like he's just trying to bring it forward and make it happen and share it and yeah see i i have yet to see that film because that's um, still ahead of me but it's funny you say that because i did a film called uh, the desires of dawn which i took from uh, orgy the dead and then i changed it and did some stuff to it but there's a scene where I have a woman walking two men on leash through the scene. And I haven't seen Macumba sexual yet. So I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't know there's a scene like that in there. So <laughs> Look at I, that. I, I did earlier. Soul of Jess is speaking through you. I love exactly, it. Exactly. When I didn't even know it. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were brothers, you know, so that was good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's cool. So yeah, yeah. With him, definitely has that, that, that's that scape of sexuality and, and with Lena and everything. And, and, uh, explore desires like we had talked about in a previous episode and his whole films are about desire and, and the desire of us and people, man, woman, the eternal desire of everybody. And, and yeah, it's, it's very, very open and a thousand stories to tell. And he told quite, quite a few of them. So. Yeah. I mean, he stole a couple hundred. Yeah. Sure. yeah so. <laughs> and a lot of stories within stories, you know, I mean, and, and just, yeah, just, it was like he had so much to he i mean he must have just seen so much and had so much inside of him that he just had to just puke it out you know (laughs) just kind of (laughs) make sure we all could i I think he knew that over the time you know it would all it would all kind of make sense that you know one film if you you can't you can't just watch one i mean all the time people ask me how do I get into Jess Franco? What films do I start with? And I, I, I never, I'm able to like, because I, once I start going in that rabbit hole, there's just so many things that I put, but you have to see this one too, because this one and this one, and, and but it's, it's, I mean, the, yes, they all have similarities, but there's just something about once you see the body of work that you, you kind of get it. Like you kind right. of just it's something that you can't really put your finger on you can't really explain you just know that he had a unique way that that just is charming it's just charming yeah, it's, it it's like a, a a really it's, it's an innocent way almost of of thinking of humans it's so you know i, I mean it's it's not like journalistic it's not like he's you know just documenting this is how people i mean it's all very you know subjective and and very 
through this lens, through this, you know, uh, curtain, through this mirror, through this, what, you know, he's always playing with our perceptions and, 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 you know, making us question how we connect with this feeling and how, if, you know, this murder, this, this sex, this, this scene, how do, how does this, you know, but it's all just like a dance in our minds, you know, it's all just like a, 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 he's just playing with us. And it, and over, as you see so many of these movies, you just kind of start to get that he, he recognizes that. And he's, he's just kind of, you know, just letting enchanting us. He's just letting us see our souls reflected back. Yeah. No, that's, that's a very, very poetic way to to, uh, put it. So, uh, (laughs) Well, good. Well, I don't think I can actually actually top that. So I think that's a good uh, wrap up this it. one. <laughs> well, you know, just like well, that's, that. that's that's the perfect little cherry on top of the Sunday. So you know, that's, that's a nice way to say it. So yeah, I, you know, I don't want to ruin it. So yeah. That's oh, this has definitely been really fun. I'm glad that you you know brought me on this journey because I I really like was enjoying watching Franco by myself when I discovered him. And um, I mean, you know, I had the Letterbox community to to cheer along with, but. Um, you know, a kind of, uh, I don't know, it, 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 the momentum started, you know, I, you start, you know, you, you yeah. start seeing other uh, filmmakers and, you, you know, but it, like you kind of have kept me on track with Jess and it's, it's been really fun to just like Good. revisit his films with you and to see more and just kind of, you know, like get a, a, a stronger sense of, of the only Jesus I will ever pray to. Exactly. No, it's cool. That's one thing about this too. The whole Jess Franco thing. It's like you meet really cool people, and of course, I met you, and then you're so gung ho into Jess, and, and almost as crazy or more crazier or whatever than I am about Jess. So <laughs> it's very, very cool to meet somebody that's so kindred spirit that uh, has Jess running through their veins twenty four seven. You know. <laughs> so, I do so. definitely love the man. Yeah, very good. So that's why we are eternally young, because so, we pray to Jess. So that's the way to be. All right, well, I'm going to wrap this part up. So thank you again, Kali, on episode 100. And uh, I'm sure we'll do many more again after this. So, Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.